Today on the podcast, we have Kieran Drew, an online writer who's seen massive success after quitting his job as a dentist. He's earned over $300,000 this year alone from his courses. We talk about our course is dead in 2023, how to make a course that really stands out, how to build your brand, how to make your course differentiated, like how do you make it so much better than everybody else that's out there. And Kieran has grown massive followings for both his newsletter, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And he's done it in such a short space of time. So I really admire him. And we've spoken for the first time about a year ago. So hope you enjoy this episode. So Kieran, you've obviously done really well with your course launches recently. But many people listening might be thinking, oh, but launching a course in 2023 is dead because there's so much saturation. What would you say to those people? I used to think the same when I started. And what I kind of found out when I, when I was launching this course is that, or actually from my first course and now this one is, people are always looking for new solutions to old problems. And when you buy one course, you don't necessarily move on to the next topic or the next subject. And really what's happening with saturation is this kind of concept called market sophistication, right? So people are seeing the same offers over and over which means that you're pushed to create something a little bit more unique, something that people haven't heard before. So yes, there are a lot of courses out there, but if you can think of like a big idea, uh, something that makes your course special, and it could just be a framework, a system, a story, a statistic, and you build the course around that, then what happens is when someone who has taken other courses before comes across yours and they go, oh, hey, this is for me, then you absolutely can have, well, you can have a, a pretty good launch. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's kind of like a false belief, to be honest, right? So could you give us like a walkthrough of your current course and how you've been able to stand out in that way, right? Because it's in the writing space. There's lots of courses about writing. How are you able to make your one stand out and make it attractive to potential customers? Yeah, so does uh, the backstory for the product is called High Impact Writing. And absolutely writing online, very, very popular, uh, saturated niche. But what I think has been different about mine is more that I have been building in public for two years before I actually released these products. And people have seen me going from dentist to writer to entrepreneur just by using these writing principles. And so what actually happened with the course, mate, was I wasn't planning on building it for any time soon. I kept getting asked, like, where are your systems? And I think it's a really cool quote. I think Derek Sivers was like, don't build the course unless you're asked to. And because of that, then the course itself is, is the entire framing is not like a how to, but a how I and showing what I have learned around writing. So I've always said, you know, not an expert here, but I kind of feel like there's a big curse of knowledge between very good writers teaching new writers and someone like me that's just been doing it for a few years. So I think it really stood out to people, A, from the storytelling side, B, because I'm a huge fan of personality-based writing. And I think because content is becoming more generic and more saturated, everyone is understanding the value of having that like personal tone in your writing, which is something I've tried to teach quite well in there. I'm subscribed to news myself. So we talked for the first time probably a year ago now, I think, and then off the back of that, I subscribe to your users so I can like, attest to like the personal style of the writing. How have you been able to like really get that connection with people, right? So one thing I know you do is you've got a picture in all of your newsletters, right? 
at the end, which usually you're holding up a, a note. And do you think that kind of personal side of things really helped you build out that pipeline so that people will eventually want to buy your course and be asking you to buy that course? Or what other tactics did you use there? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there's one overarching strategy, really, uh, from Paul Graham, do the things that don't scale. And I realized very early on that I wasn't going to be able to compete with the people two steps ahead of me and metrics like growth and audience size. But it is remarkable how far you can go by showing how much you care about your audience. And so it, it, it's these like series of small touches that begin to stack up. So yes, I have like a personalized photo at the start of every email. Um, stuff like, for example, if someone buys a product, I send a personalized video thanking them. And, you know, considering we sold a thousand, uh, that was a lot of videos. Still doing it, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's trying to do it for as long as possible because what I think has happened is that a lot of creators, you begin to think of an audience as like a number on a screen, but they're real people with real problems and people really appreciate it when you show that you you actually care about their success and they, they kind of care about yours after so they support you when you launch as opposed to deciding whether they're going to buy they're like i want to help out that person as well and then the other side of it mate is just it was the writing principle be very clear about who you write to and one thing that i teach everyone is that to make that very simple initially is just to write to yourself you know to kind of like to serve your shadow the person you were yesterday a few months before so when I sit down to write, I'm just trying to teach Kieran Drew from six months ago how to suck a little bit less than what I did at the time. And that just kind of attracts an audience where you get on, like you've, people feel understood, they feel empathized with, and, and then all of these stack up to hopefully a nice little tribe of fans. You mentioned how your course is how I rather than how you. And that goes against like a lot of traditional advice I've seen in the past where people say you should always focus on the weeds always focus on what they can do and when you went for that strategy did you have any worries about that were you thinking if i go down this road then i'm doing something different maybe people won't react to it and what has the feedback been like on that style because i guess a lot of people listening maybe haven't taken a course that's in that how i scheme yeah well the feedback's been brilliant you know feedback's been really cool and it's an important point to make here so the way that i frame my advice is is how i've done it but number one rule of storytelling is it's never really about you. It's about the reader. And so you will see for each lesson, actually, when I'm giving the course, um, every module has an outcome, every lesson has an outcome. And when I start each lesson, I open up with why people should care, which is either the big myth, the big mistake, the big reason why. And I'll, I'll say something like, I used to think X, then I found out Y. And now let's show you how it's done. And so it's actually, a, it seems to be like a lot less imposing of a way to teach. Um, but also show don't tell, right? Very, I mean, you might have done it before, but I've taken courses where someone like straight away is like, right, do this step, this step, this step, this step. It gets a bit boring and you kind of see what they mean, but you don't really understand it. But when someone's there going, I had that exact pain point you had and I made this mistake too. Let's do this step to save you months. Uh, people really resonate with that. And the cool bit with the product, mate, is that obviously we're, we can sell this at scale. And so I tried to look at it just as much as a relationship building asset as a revenue building asset, because, you know, those who are happy once, they'll be happy to buy twice. And the course itself, then once you've taken that course, you know quite a lot about me. And I was actually going through the feedback today for some modifications. And there was loads of that 
someone was like, oh, I liked how you told this little joke about you and your dad at one point. And I was like, I didn't remember that. But it's these little touches that you don't think your audience are picking up on. They kind of leave breadcrumbs to piece together how they perceive you. And so I think it's been really powerful, man. When you were going about the design of the course, you said it escaped, obviously. And I remember last year, cohort-based courses were all the rage, right? Of where you have a specific small number of people and then you spend a lot of time in it as well. And I think one of the challenges for different people is that they're looking at these different models. And obviously what happens is that everybody who does a different model tells them that their style is the best way to do it. What made you go down the route that you went down? And did you consider other options of courses as well? It's funny you say that because I used to be very prescriptive in my advice when I started online. This is how you do it. This is how you don't do it. The more I've learned, the more I've actually become that annoying guy that says it depends to pretty much every question. But it does, right? And so you're right in saying everybody was telling me it has to be a cohort. Much more expensive, inbuilt urgency, inbuilt scarcity. And you know what, man? When I'm faced with a business decision these days, I just go on what I like the most. And I've never finished a cohort. I'm not a cohort-based person. Uh, I actually feel like they're too slow for me. I love being able to take it on my own time. And so I thought, well, look, let's, let's build the product you wish existed two years ago. And right or wrong answer, let's just see. <clears throat> and the, the cool bit is with the cohort and stuff, for me, I've always been about trying to optimize for freedom first. And whilst the cohort sounded very lucrative, it also sounded like once you sell, you've got a lot, a lot, a lot of work. And I about writing was a lot of work beforehand, but I knew once it was built, all I had to do was write from now on. And someone could tell me I can make five, 10K a month just writing. Boom, happy life done. You can take care of the rest later. So it's kind of that whole values first, metric second thing for decision making. Some people love cohorts, love chatting to people all day. Um, me personally, I, I like the self-paced learning model. You, you created the course and we, we understand the principles of like how you were able to make it good and in terms of length, how long is the course? Was that a big factor in you thought a lot about or was it something where you just decided these are lessons that I think are valuable and this is how long the courses are? How intentional are you about the length of the course? Yeah, it's a tricky one because, you know, the shorter the course, the better, generally, because you want completion rates. You know, better completion rates, better results, more testimonials. Uh, very hard to teach writing in a short amount of time to properly teach writing. And so what I actually did, mate, was uh, first first round of building the course, I put everything, everything in. And I actually gave a beta coaching for three months as well. And I tested it on these, these six guys. And then I waited to see what came back, you know, because you think your systems are brilliant until you try to teach it to other people. And you're like, oh, why aren't you doing this thing? I told you, they're like, ah, I didn't really get it. And so by the time I actually came to build the course, I probably removed about 80% of the material because I just wanted four clear modules the lessons had to be five to 10 minutes long each only because I, I think when you have like a 30 minute lesson in a course, very hard to take, very hard to find a spot at the end of it and hard to kind of hold attention that whole way through. And what I actually did, mate, was because it's very hard to kill your darlings. You think your advice is really important. And so um, as a forcing function, I was like, okay, first off, we have to delete like a third of the content. I do that for any time I write. You have to delete a third before you post. Um so we did that for the course and then there were a few topics that you know are useful but not fundamental and I took them out and I made them into bonuses and what actually happens now is that when someone purchases the course they have a 30-day post-purchase sequence and at about the three-week mark 
they start getting more bonus material they didn't expect, which is the stuff that didn't make it into the original course. So it's kind of like you're giving the same amount without overwhelming them whilst building up value and getting reciprocation. So um, quite intentional with it, mate. But I mean, the, the core bit that I tell my friends now is four modules, four big roadblocks, the fundamental information to overcome them, uh, less the better. I think you've got a good idea of like how you've structured the course, why you've done things the way you have. And I think for a lot of people as well who are listening, obviously we've been through this in these years, that idea of like doing some coaching first before you create a course can really help you make a better course. Whereas if you're just trying to create a course from scratch, you don't really have the feedback of your ideas and what, what people have got, what people haven't. It's hard to really understand that customer market. Whereas when you've tested your idea, explain them to people, people haven't found some it's useful, some it's aren't useful. You then have a better informed decision from what you put in your course. But we've got a good idea now, like what's in your course, why you decided to do that. And you said that people are obviously asking you for this course at this point. But even then, like even with that online presence you had, you still have to market it and still get people to decide, okay, I get these guys emails every week. I, I can hear his content wherever I want. Why should I pay? How are you able to overcome that barrier of where you obviously give out a lot of your supplies for free, uh, as like many creators do. And you were able to then convince these people that I've got even more better information for you. How did you go about that? There was, it was quite a gradual approach. So, you know, I spent a year basically creating loads of free video courses to prove that I was worth investing in. That was the first point and gave it all away for free um, to basically get as much attention as possible, build authority. You know, I'm a beginner writer, but began to get quite a lot of trust. And then, you know, when I launched my first product, I only made about five grand. That was a year, a year ago in March. And what I did wrong then was I started talking about the product a couple of weeks before. And the only thing I changed this time, which was, you know, in May when we launched again, was uh, I stumbled across this idea from Seth Godin about tension. And what tension is in marketing is it's like pulling an elastic band. And the longer you can pull this band and the harder you can pull it, when you eventually let go, the bigger the snap at the end. And the way that that worked with marketing them, man, was January 2023, in my newsletter, I began every newsletter edition just carrying on what I was doing before. But at the bottom, I would let them know that if you enjoyed this, this is going to be a key principle inside my new course. Didn't even know what the course was called at the time. Um, Just click here to join the waitlist. And so every single newsletter began to build up tension because people were like, oh man, and this guy's got these quite cool ideas. I've just registered to say I'd like to hear more about that. And I began to gather data about what people actually liked as well. So that when it came to launch week and stuff, I knew what to talk about. And then in terms of overcoming that resistance, it's about building up desire, right? So I began telling a story months before the product actually came out. You know, so like I, we started with that building up the tension, but then I began building the course in public and I began telling people stuff like, for example, deleting all of the material, writing the course out by hand, um, showing how that I was taking it extremely seriously, that this was going to be something very high quality and it helps if you believe that. So um, by the time that email went out expressing that the course was available, nobody was surprised people were excited and the reason people buy when they're emotional and excitement and curiosity is that's all I was building beforehand. And it was a high price point for our space. Um, so like I said, we're in the writing space on Twitter. 
Everyone charges about 150. Mine was 300. Um, but obviously that went really well. So uh, it's all about like the story you tell before the launch. Um, so that by the time you actually launch, people are ready to go. Obviously what people see is the headlines, right? Is that you had a launch that made X amount in like a certain amount of time. But they forget, obviously, is that that launch had that huge amount of work behind it to get to that point. It's not a case of like you just woke up one day, made a course, and it made this amount of money. There's a lot of work that goes behind it. As you said, people respect that, right? People want to know if they're going to spend $300 on a course, that you thought about that course and you spent your time on it and you've killed out, you've got rid of the bad ideas because then it's worth their money. And I think that's a really interesting point about the building the public side of things there because if you're doing things in a good way, in an intentional way, it's quite important to showcase that. It makes you stand out because there are many people, many people I know, many people I've interviewed, who would just smash out a course in a day without really thinking about it, slap a price point on it, send it to their newsletter, and then just spam them with loads of emails about, like, okay, buy my course, buy my course, right? And now that you've got this experience of, like, actually, I'm Ryan for a second as well, it's like, with this launch, right? To us, it's very successful on the outside, right? Did you? What did you forecast? Did you think it would be about this amount? Did you think it'd be more? Did you think it'd be less? Or how did you go about kind of planning for that? Uh, man, it's been absolutely crazy. So I didn't know what to expect. Um, like I said, the first launch made 5K and that was my first taste of internet money. And, you know, like I used to be a dentist, so it was all very free, unpredictable for me it wasn't like you clock in your hours and then you see how it goes but you know online it's all asymmetrical bets and i was hoping to maybe make i'd I'd be ecstatic if i made 30k in the launch right that's crazy amount of money for for something that you've just built before it didn't exist right and um what actually happened was so just for for the numbers uh, may was 140k and september was 180k and um i just (laughs) During the actual launch week, the first day went terribly. I only sold like five, six copies in about three hours. And I thought, oh my God, I've just worked three to four months uh, for a complete flop here. And then I was like, oh, this building in public is going to really suck when I have to explain why this didn't go well. And the actual, the, the final day of both launches made 80K plus. And watching that happen, like it was very, very humbling, very big pinch yourself moment. And a little strange too, because I've tripled the business total revenue uh, in four months. You kind of, like you push so hard for something and then suddenly you're there and you're, you're, you're just left with this like vast abyss of options and what the hell do I do next? Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a roller coaster, man. Like I, I still don't know how to predict. Like when it came to September, I, I thought impossible to get six figures again. Like, there can't be enough customers left. Um, but I did just do the exact same principles. So the day that High Impact Writing, the, the cart closed in May, um, I began working with all the customers, um, giving free webinars, Q&As, uh, bonuses, getting all their feedback, I had to refilm half the course, cut out bits, add more bits and told everyone else that's what I was doing. So by the time it came to September, um, I think there was 100 testimonials, 40 affiliates, um, just so much word of mouth from Twitter, I barely had to market it myself, which is really really nice to see so it just blown up again and i i I can't predict it man like it's a it's a really nice place to be you said the cart closer in may so the audience to understand this it's it the course is only open for five days to buy and then did you Mm. people couldn't buy until september or were you still able to like get people to buy it through 
Okay, interesting. Yeah. So this is um this is the one thing that people got quite curious about because you know they're like, why would you stop selling a product that has no cost of delivery? You're not kind of burning sales and. I think it was the best decision I made because two reasons. Um, it helped me frame natural urgency and scarcity to people that were going to buy. I just said, look, scores comes out for four days. And the reason it comes out for four days, there's two reasons. Number one, I want to reward, reward early adopters, which is a fair enough thing to say. Yeah, you want to take action now, you get a bit of a head start. Number two, I explained that it's my whole mission to build a great course and to do that, I need to work closely with customers. So I don't want more customers coming in. I want three months where I can just go all in helping these people. And that's what I did. Like I actually lost money for the next three months. Obviously, I had some in the bank from the launch. So still very scary as an entrepreneur though. Um, and so the way that I kind of look at it is that when the day you sell the product is the day you start building it. And having that three-month window to then get everything set up for the second launch you know, so for for example, the post-purchase sequence, you're writing that all live and you build all these free video courses and you do all these webinars and Q&As so that when they come, someone comes to buy in the future, they're like, wow, I'm getting blown away from day one to day 30. So open close for the first one. And then in September, it was car open, but it stays open after. What I did differently was I said to them, if you buy it now, because you know, biggest rule of copywriting is people will not take action unless you give them a reason we're lazy we always put stuff off and so i didn't i, I didn't discount ever <clears throat> that was my one rule i'm not doing any discount selling i think that people devalue their product by doing it when actually the smart bet is to add value and so i said to people um if you buy the course in the next four days you will get the recorded webinar that i gave in may plus you're going to be invited to a new live webinar on how to start and scale your newsletter as a writer. And all I did for that was I asked all my current customers what they would like next. And then I built that for them. And then so my current customers get two bonus webinars. Everyone who buys one gets a recorded. And it was a nice incentive to just say like, look, actually, and it, again, it's quite nice copy to be able to say this in your emails. I was like, look, buy it now or don't. You can go buy it in a month. It's cool. We don't need you to buy it now. But if you would like this webinar, deadline is in a week, tomorrow, which is much nicer than just being going, oh, you know, it's 50% off. And if you don't buy now, like the, it's gone forever and all, and all that crap. So that's how I've been doing it, man. I think that's really brave of you to close it, the course, how you did. Because like I said, I imagine that position is very difficult to say. People, like, I'm guessing people messaging, like, I want to buy the course. Like, why is it not open? Why can I not buy it? And you had to basically say no to their money because you were committed to improving the quality. Yeah. We probably turned down about, yeah, there's about 20K that we turned down um, over, over the next few months. But on the flip side, um, if they really wanted it, they were waiting for September. So, um, you know, we probably, we probably caught up a lot of that uh, on the back end. And like I said, I think in terms of if you're just looking at it from a sheer number perspective, I think that's the only reason we got another six-figure launch in September was because we'd done so much work making happy customers in the first place. Word about marketing is just so powerful. Um, so it's a model that I think people should, everyone should, should do, like uh, long-term relationships over short-term revenue. And so we're getting towards the end of the episode now, but I'd love to hear what's the vision for the future now, right? So you've had these two big launches. What, what are you looking forward to? What's in the pipeline? 
I'm not too sure, no, which is quite interesting. I mean, it's been a crazy journey. Like I said, when we met, it was completely different a year ago. And I think right now the key is basically to keep doing what I really enjoy, which is writing. Keep getting better at writing because the way I see it, the better you write online, the better everything goes. So that's the one prong of it. And then the other side of it is uh, I actually really enjoyed the product building. I found it very energizing, a little bloody tiring, the launches. Um, and so instead of it being like, oh, we have to take the business in this direction, uh, I have a list of problems that I have an audience who trust me to solve. And the plan is to start asking them what they want, building it, selling it, cycling through, and then just learning how to build a lot of leverage and systems around the email list. So yeah, I'm really excited for it, man. We're going to quick fire questions now. So are there three people that you'd love to shout out that you think are doing incredible work? Anything the audience should be paying attention to? Yes. So uh, there's a guy called Ollie Richards who builds education businesses. He's um, got story learning. I think really, really smart in terms of what, what he's teaching. To, 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 honest, to marketers, people will know this, but the person that's probably making the most impact to me at the moment is a guy called Alan Sultanik. Don't know him personally, but he just started writing on Twitter and the, his level of advice around how to write to people and the psychology behind building a business is second to none. And along that line, um, just had a lovely call uh, a couple of days ago with uh, David Deutsch, who very popular OG copywriter. He's just come over to Twitter too. And it's really nice to see, you know, these are three people who have small audiences but if it was reflected by the knowledge that they have and the experience they have, they would have my audience and I would have theirs. So um, I'd recommend those three people are well worth checking out. And let's say people listen right now want to find out more about you and what you're up to. Where should they go to? What should, where should they follow you? Yeah, so I mean, the best place is probably Twitter where I'm just at it, Kieran Drew. I also run a newsletter called Digital Freedom. And um, what that is, is basically strategies, stories, frameworks and systems where I'm showing how I'm building my business uh, so that you might find some useful information from there too. So if you want to go sign up for my email list, it's kierandrew.com. And uh, yeah, those are the only two places I really hang out. So, Is there anything that you need help with right now that maybe somebody listening to this could reach out to you and help you with? I mean, ironically, I've been trying to speak to as many people as possible for help on the next step. So I think the the thing that's really on my mind at the moment is systemizing process and nailing strategy business strategy because what's happened is the more leverage you build so very grateful to say you know we're about two hundred thousand followers now i've realized how important one good decision becomes and so something where a year ago i'm like ah you know fuck it just go do it now i'm like trying to plan every single thing and uh, it's really interesting talking to people a few steps ahead like yourself where you hear little tidbits and you're like that's the stuff i need to be doing so if anyone's building a business and has great advice, please do reach out. So. Awesome. So thanks so much for coming on today. Have you got any final words for the audience? Uh, no, just um, you know, thank you for listening. And if I can help you guys with anything, please just drop me a DM. Doors are always open. Mm-hmm.